Welcome to the Directors UK podcast. We've got a treat in store for you as writer and director Charlie Kaufman discusses his latest film, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, which stars Jesse Buckley and Jesse Plemons. Charlie was in conversation with the brilliant director Sally Potter. Together, they discuss the interwoven disciplines of acting, writing and directing and delve into subjects from success and failure to time and telling jokes. We hope you enjoy. Writing and directing inseparable for you or are they have they become the same thing? Do you direct while you write and write while you direct in some sense or are they two really distinct activities for you? I mean, I think they're distinct in the way they feel to me um, in that um, uh, writing is, is, is a very um, solitary experience and, and even a lonely experience and directing is the opposite of that, which, which I'm grateful for because it, it forces me into sort of social situations that I wouldn't be comfortable in. Again, talking about being a director and having to pre- present yourself as someone who's maybe not as um, neurotic as, as you are, you know, like you have to be there and, and you have to field questions and you have to be nice to people. Well, you don't have to be nice to people, but I choose to be nice to people. It helps um, to be nice to people. I think it does too. I, I, you know, I hear stories about directors who aren't, and um, uh, but but yeah, I, I prefer to be that way. Um, but but in terms of the the process, um, I mean, there's a couple of differences, and they're just sort of like practical differences. Like for me, writing is open ended, uh, which is good, but also problematic. I can work on something for years. Um, you know, when you're shooting a movie like this movie, we shot it in 24 days. You know, everything is about money. Everything is about, did you get the, did you get what you intended to get? And if not, is there a solution or do you need to move on? You know, because you have this limited amount of time and that's true in, in pre-production as well. Not as much in post-production, my experience, but, but, but still, you know, you're, you're paying people and there's a time limit and there's an expectation. Um, and in terms of, I try not to direct when I'm writing. I think in the same way that I try not to edit when I'm writing. Right. In that, you know, there's, there needs to be, for me, there needs to be a freedom to explore, to experiment, to think of, to think of things as freely and as, as wildly as I want to without the concern about how do I make this? Can I make this? Is this affordable? Yeah. I think as I've directed more, that creeps in um, mm-hmm. to, to my thinking. Um, but I try to put, I try to push it away the same way I try to push the editor away, uh, mm-hmm. when I'm writing, who's saying, this isn't good, yeah. <laughs> you know, this is boring, this is long, whatever, whatever it is. Um, it's two separate parts of the brain, isn't it? The, the part that generates yeah. material and the part that analyzes it and starts cutting it about. And, and, and it's, it's, it, it's important to realize that, but it's hard to, to sort of practice it. And maybe for some people it's easier, but because I'm, I have a, I'm very self-critical, which is the editor, you know, but that's just the way my brain works. And so I, I'm always judging what I do. I, I, I work to not do that, but I, 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 it's difficult for me. In terms of like directing, and writing while I'm directing, I mean, yeah, if you're working on a scene and it's not working, um, you know, I mean, if you, and you can't solve it with performance, then I think, I, I try to rewrite. Um, it hasn't been that much of an issue. 
probably because I work with really good actors and they can make things work. Uh, but, but I mean, it has happened and, you know, um, I do, I do. Yeah. I'm open to it. Certainly. I, I almost meant it in a slightly more metaphysical way in the sense of that not when you're writing, are you a, a screenplay? I mean, yes. are you imagining it in the inner frame? I don't mean the shot, the angle, the this, even the particular person, but is it a form of visualization or is it a more conceptual dreaming? It's a, it's definitely visualized. And, and, and not only when I'm writing screenplays, um, you know, I, I just wrote a novel and it's very visual for me. I mean, I, I, I mean, I just think that's the way my brain works. I, I, I kind of have assumed that that's the way everyone's brain works, but I don't, maybe that's not the case. It's not words on a page for me. I'm picturing. Yeah. You're yeah. seeing it. You're seeing it. I'm definitely so seeing it. You've got the eyes of a director when you're writing. Or, or is, or, or is it just the eyes of a writer who's visualizing things? I'm not, I'm not thinking about it as a director like, and I know you're asking more metaphysical, but I mean, the director thing would be like, how do I, how do I accomplish this? Mm -hmm. I, I feel like that would be my director mind as opposed to, I'm picturing it. Yeah, I've got a visual sense of it. And, um, and I, you know, I think with comedy maybe, which I, I tend to write, um, although not exclusively, there is a lot of, I think that's sort of necessary, maybe. I, I feel like because there's a lot of, um, timing and stuff that sort of comes into, you know, how things move, how people move. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when you started directing, or at least as far as I know, started directing, um, I don't, maybe you'd done directing before, but um, with Sinatra New York, did you find that you learned a, a great deal about, about screenwriting? because of the act of direct, because of what happens when you're actually directing the, the, in a way, the pragmatism of it all. Well, you know, I, I have a bit of a background, like non-professionally in things like acting and directing. I started out when I was a kid wanting to be an actor, uh, like as early as like eight years old. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I pursued that through my teen years and I, even went to school for it uh, um, for a year before I transferred to a film school um, to work on directing. Um, so uh, um, I, I, I guess that my answer is that no, I, I, I don't feel like I learned anything about writing from that. I feel like I learned about writing, particularly about writing dialogue, uh, whatever I know about it from doing plays and reading plays when I was a kid. And that's, that, that is where I find, you know, um, the inspiration, I think for, for my dialogue uh, writing is, is that background and, and, that, and, and that form, more so than from screenplays, which I, right. I, don't, I don't read. Right, um, but you do read plays. I do read plays, yes. And, yeah. um, and, I, and I have read plays and it was like, as I said, my initial passion and, and, and mostly when I was young, in, in terms of finding stuff to do, I was reading them like voraciously because I, you know, I was looking for plays that I could perform in. But then as I, I got older, I started writing stuff and, um, and, and doing comedy. And, um, and then when I was in film school, I wrote, obviously wrote, well, not obviously, but I wrote screenplays, you know, and stuff that I, I made, you know, in school. Yeah, sure. Uh 
What would you say were the greatest joys and the greatest sufferings and angst about directing for you? Um, I really do, as I said earlier, I really do like this sort of the, the collaborative aspect of it and the social aspect of it. Um, and I feel like it's helped me um, as a human being to sort of be forced into that situation. Um, I love working with actors. I, I love actors and I think it's because of my background. Um, and I love what they think about. I love talking to them about characters and psychology and stuff like that. I don't tire of that um, ever. Um, and, you know, I also do really like uh, the, the visual aspect. I, I feel like I've, I've had a very sort of, um, I've always had a great interest in painting and, um, and, and that stuff has sort of like kind of come into obviously the, 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 that aspect, the design aspect of directing and the, and the cinematography aspect of it. Um, the most difficult part of directing, uh, you know, with my very limited experience, I've got, I've, I've done four things. Um, and one of them has never been seen. It was a pilot for, uh, uh, for a TV series that, that didn't get picked up. Um, but I've directed, you know, uh, four things all together and it's always the money that's been an issue. It's always that struggle uh, for me that that's a problem, you know, and I, and I think it's probably, as, as, as this indicates from you, that's probably always a problem for everybody. But it's a, it's a frustration because a lot of times the people who are in charge of the money can't think past that, you know, in my experience, where, they, where it feels like their suggestions for solutions are not organic to the issues at hand. Um, about you were talking about people and actors, which we have in common, loving working with actors and so on, and the, the quality of relationship with actors, and it does help having been a performer, as I was also, I think. Yeah. You understand the vulnerability and the, you understand what it takes, that kind of exposure and what it takes to, to, to remove the veil and so on. So there's, one has compassion, but one of the things I found watching your films one after another was a quality that I really love of great tenderness towards the characters, great tenderness and compassion for their frailties, their insecurities, their neuroses, their fears, all, all of those things. Um, and I was wondering what, what the word tenderness means to you actually and the word compassion and love actually for your, for your characters as well as for your crew and your collaborators but for these fictitious entities that you're bringing, bringing into the light. Well, I mean, I'm pleased that you said that. Thank you. I, I do, I think, and, and maybe that comes from um, having worked as an actor, you know, as a kid uh, as well in that I'm, you know, I, I feel like I'm trained when I'm writing to write characters from inside, yes. you know, which is something that, you know, actors try to do. They try to inhabit them and not judge them. Yeah. Um, and because I feel, because I think what I do is I write about frailties and I write about neuroses a lot. I write about um, the, in, the interior experience uh, of being a specific human that um, I do have a tenderness for, for those people. And I do feel that they're under seen in, you know, in, in cinema um, um, or they're seen as a joke or they're, 
yes. you know, the punchline. And so, um, and I'm not interested in that. Um, yeah. I'm not interested in making them romanticizing that or romanticizing them. I'm not, in fact, the opposite, I would say, but I, but I am interested in their, um, the humanity of that and the struggle that we, I think we, most people have in, in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. Do you find when you're working with um, actors, I'm trying to find the right words to express this, the quality of the way that you look at them so in other words, the kind of invisible work, of the, the so-called invisible work of the director, a quality of presence and attention and focus, looking, the act of looking in a particular way. Are, are you conscious of that? Is, something that you, is that just something you intuitively do? Or are you aware of if you take your gaze away from an actor, the effect that that has and so on? Um, I mean, this is maybe a, a little bit uh, of a, a sort of a, a tangential answer, but it put me in mind of uh, when we were shooting um, um, Synecdoche, uh, there was a scene, there's a few scenes, but um, the, when we started shooting the scenes in the burning house, in Hazel's house, um, it, you know, we had fire in the house, we had uh, smoke in the house, we had lights in the house, yeah. it was 500 degrees Fahrenheit in the house. Um, and the whole crew was wearing masks uh, to protect their breathing. And Phil Hoffman and Samantha Morton obviously could not. And I, I wouldn't wear a mask. I, I mean, I, I felt like I needed, I, I felt like it was an insult to them to not be there with them in that struggle and that suffering that they had to go through. It, it, and, and so I'm, I feel like I'm conscious of stuff like that. And I'm conscious of, um, sort of anything that feels um, that they are not the center of attention yes. at that moment when they're, when they're working. And that happens a lot. And, and, you know, and I've seen it be very upsetting, obviously to actors when there are distractions or people on their phones or, yeah. or, you know, or, or, or whispering, you know, it's, it's horrible stuff. And so I, I pay, I mean, I pay attention because I, I want to pay attention, but I also am aware that I'm performing a function in, in respecting them and the process that they're going through. Absolutely. Um, and in my view, that, that force field of attention, even without words, is an enormous part of the director's work. That kind of holding of the space and yeah. kind of focus. Speaking of which, from a technical perspective, do you, do you look in a monitor? Do you use a monitor? Do you look in the monitor while it takes? Uh, how, what's your relationship with the it, monitor thing? It depends on the circumstances. I mean, I do look in the monitor. Uh, I prefer not to, mm -hmm. but there are just places where I can't be, you know, I can't be, I'll, I'll be in the way, yeah. you know, um, like uh, the dinner scene in, in this movie. I was, it was a very small room and yeah. um, we were set up with the monitors in another room and that's where I had to be. Yes. But, yeah. um, but as soon as the take is over, I'm out there, right. you know, just so they know, yeah. they know that I'm, that I'm paying attention, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I have a little tiny one around my waist so that I can be looking, looking down, looking up and so on. But oh, that's a great idea. I never even heard of that. It's good because um, it tells one what the frame is, you know, yeah. and, and at least, and the movement, you catch that. Um, but at the same time, you can use, you know, your eye, they feel your eyes on them. 
Oh, uh, I, I love that. No one ever told me about that invention. If there's a next time, I'm going to do that. Yeah, it's good. I, yeah. People think it's useless, but I think it's really good. Yeah. Um, what's your view of the twin imposters of success and failure? Um, I feel. I feel like I am a victim of the notion of uh, of success being better than failure. I feel like I've been trained that way in this society, but I try to recognize, and I do intellectually, that um, it isn't better. That that failure is something that has to be um, that cannot be. That, that that one if one tries to avoid failure one does nothing yeah. you know one will will do what is a person will do what is safe what they know how to do yeah. and so i make a conscious effort to always sort of put myself in the position where i can fail yes. every every when i'm writing i always take on a project i don't know how to do yeah, um, yeah. I was just saying the other day, there's nothing more exciting than attempting something that you know is a bit too hard for you to achieve, you know. I think you have to. <laughs> yeah. I, I think one, I think what's the point otherwise? Then you're, then you're a business person. If you, yeah. if you're, if you're, if you're not in that business of doing something that's true, that's exploring, then you're in the other business. Yeah. Okay. So let, talking about business, what's your view of the, the true, how can I put it this way? interface between the cinema as an art form and the business of cinema, the business of tickets, the business of, well, you know, all that stuff. I mean, I, I, I find myself this time out because yeah. this is a Netflix thing. Yes. Um, that, and, and because of circumstances in the world that I, and I think because I'm older and I don't care anymore, but I, but I, but I do think that the, the fact that it doesn't matter that this movie is going to be on Netflix, whether or not it has a good opening weekend, mm -hmm. changes everything for me in a very positive way. Yes. I don't want to care about that. You're forced to care about it because, you know, if your movie doesn't do well theatrically and it's a theatrical release, it, it goes away in a week and a half. Yeah. And um, no one gets to see it. And um, I, and so, you know, and so I worried about things like people not going to see it or bad reviews or, or whatever in a way that I am really not right now worrying about it and feel relieved from that. That so, sounds wonderful, actually. <laughs> yeah. That's really good to not worry about that stuff. What about the question of scale? You know, the big screen, the small screen, the very small screen and I, so on. I, I, I think that um, Lukash Sal, who shot this movie, did such a beautiful job, yes. um, and and I think that the movie would be better served by being on a screen in a theater. Mm -hmm. I think the movie, because it's a, a movie that sort of generates a lot of conversation, mm -hmm. would be better seen by a group of people rather than a person maybe half paying attention in their living room. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so that's my preference. But this is what I got. Yeah. You know. And this is the movie that I was allowed to make and Netflix was generous enough to allow me to make it. Um, so I'm appreciative of that, you know? Uh, and I think it can be enjoyed on a TV screen. I'm, I'm hoping, I, it seems to, you know, people seem to be um, enjoying it that way. Uh, 
I think it's, I think the bigger the screen, the better. I don't think watching it on your phone or wristwatch is a great thing, um, but. Uh, jokes. Let's talk about jokes. How much do they fuel, fuel your life? How much do they save your life? Um, I, I don't, I like jokes and I like writing comedy and I like, you know, I wrote this book, which is basically 10 jokes a page. Um, that, uh, <laughs> was that? Did you count them? <laughs> no, I'm just guessing, but I mean, but, but my, my, my goal was to write as many jokes into this thing as I could, you know, plan, yeah. um, and I'm, and it's, and, and I think it, it may be overwhelming. Um, but it was, it was an interesting experiment and the, and the, and the, and the book is about comedy and it's, you know, and it's history and stuff. So among other things, so it, it felt like it was justified. Um, I try when I'm writing jokes to, it depend, there's different styles of jokes. Like the jokes in this book are more similar to like being John Malkovich jokes. They're, they're jokier than something like Eternal Sunshine, which yeah. might be funny in places, but it doesn't really have joke jokes in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but in both cases, I feel like the jokes have to come out of something organic mm-hmm. to the character or to the story or to my, or to what I'm trying to accomplish with, with that piece, you know? So, um, but I love writing them and I, and it's very helpful when you're writing jokes in, in theater or in, 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 for films and that you can tell if the movie is playing well. Exactly. It, yeah. Which are, which you I love. It, you hear it. You're not having to yeah. get when somebody yeah. crosses their legs that they hate it or something, you hear the laugh, you know, it's happening. Yeah. It's landing in them. It's wonderful feeling. Yeah. Yeah, it is wonderful. And um, we've had we had a couple of well, we had like three screenings, like friends and family screenings um, while we were working on the movie, and they were very different audiences. And one one audience had um, someone laughing a lot through through this movie, um, and it changes the whole tone of the audience. It op- opens people up. But the interesting thing was, and so I knew the movie was playing well, or I thought it was playing well because she was laughing, but other screenings where it was completely silent, I found out that afterwards that people were really engaged. Yes. But I couldn't tell at the time. Yeah. You know, like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at everything. I'm looking at people shifting in their seats. I'm looking at people coughing, you know, whatever it is that feels like they're not engaged. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I'm not always right about that, apparently. So, but that, I do like that about. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, right. Time, time, not, not just time, not just the way that you work with time always in your films as I see it, um, but the time it takes to shoot stuff, the t- how, what one's relationship with time becomes in the process of shooting a film and then editing it also actually, and writing the different kind of time, the different kind of experiences of time that then feed into any kind of thematic about time in, in the thing itself. Well, I mean, the time it takes to shoot something is like, and the worry about that, and, and I'm not sure if I'm answering the question that you're asking, but the worry about that is the, is the thing about, you know, not having enough money, you know, like you're going to, you're going to, your day is going to be over and you will not have gotten what you need. Um, but I think that, I mean, again, as a director, you've got to sort of like push that down so that you can allow the, the crew and the and the actors, I think most importantly, to have the time to feel that they are not rushed. 
you know, in it. And I, 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 like, I feel very clear that in this movie and, and everything I've done, um, the actors are, the, they're so good that I, they almost, like they don't need me, you know? Like I cast people who are good, I talk to them beforehand, you know, occasionally if we have time we'll rehearse something that needs to be rehearsed or, or, or that needs to be blocked. Um, but they just take it, you know? And so um, I, I think that if I, were, if I had to work with somebody who didn't get what they were supposed to be getting, it would be a much more stressful thing in that regard than it has been for me dealing with time. When you say that you, you know, you, in a way you don't have to do anything because you cast well and you prepare and so on, which is absolutely evident to me from looking at what you do. But if you weren't there watching during the shoot, there'd be a very different result, even if you never said a word. I, th I really think this definition of, of a direct, the most important thing in a way that a director sometimes does is in quotes, nothing, but pay attention. Yeah. And, 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 and create a, um, and, I, and I know this because I've been told by some of the people I work with, is create an environment in which they feel safe exactly. to be vulnerable. Exactly. Um, and um, and I, I, I try to give them that because I feel that. I want to give them that, you know. You do give that. I mean, it's not something that another director can absolutely recognize is what the, the framework of safety is in terms of, in, in a way, the exposure, even in the face of, um, of, of an actor, what, what they allow to, to come through yeah. that takes the safety. You know, they're not on the defense. They're right. not feeling judged. You can see that. Um, and so you get that kind of luminosity that, of performance. I, I recognize it absolutely in your work. And the other thing that I've, um, that I, that I, and this is just for my own personal um, health, mental health, but I think it's sort of, it transfers over to the actual set and the actors is that I, I really, when I'm casting actors, I really try to hire nice people. Yeah. Um, like I, I like, I, I'll talk to people who know them. I'll talk to my casting director. I'll, I'll, I don't want that kind of energy on a set because I think it's bad for everybody. Uh, but it's also bad for the other actors, you know? Um, and I've been very fortunate in, in that regard. Yeah. Um, that, that I've had that, I've, I've had that, um, that good luck. Well, the one I'd like just to ask you about is your relationship with language. Um, when I was a young filmmaker, I was privileged enough to meet Michael Powell. And he said to me, remember Sally, you know, one, one image is worth a thousand words. And I said, well, yeah, yeah. But subsequently I've struggled with this, the notion that somehow that words don't belong in cinema. And in fact, I've put tons of them in and, and you put, plenty of words <laughs> yeah so I want to know what your your relationship is with the word the word in relation to cinema well I mean it's a it's another tool it's it's no different than than you know the picture it's another tool in, a, in the movie you've got a bunch of tools and the, yeah. you know you want to you I think you want to be conscious of how are you using the words what you're doing with them yes. um, that if you're having you know a clutter of words that it's going to have a certain effect on the audience, you know. Um, it isn't. It, if you have voiceover, it's going to have an effect, and you can have many different effects depending on how you use it, where you use it, what it says. Um, you know, there's all these rules about how you're supposed to be how you're supposed to make a movie, and it seems silly to me because 
it's just another tool. Exactly. Well, you explored that beautifully in adaptation, which, by the way, had me practically screaming with laughter. The oh. sequence about, <laughs> I'll have yeah. a coffee. No, I won't. I must write first, then I'll have a coffee and a muffin. Uh, anyway, <laughs> all of that. All one of, of the, the things I, I, the I did, <laughs> one of the things I did in adaptation that um, really amuses me is that after he gets yelled at by the um, by Robert McKee character yes. for using voiceover. Yeah. Um, well, he doesn't get yelled at. It's it, it, it it's it's in his, it's in his lecture. Uh, there's no more voiceover in the movie. It's just like done, <laughs> which, which pleased me. This podcast was recorded at a Directors UK member event. You can hear more episodes of the Directors UK podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or your favourite podcatcher. Directors UK is a professional association for film and TV directors with over 7,500 members. Find out more about us at directors.uk.com.